Welcome to another episode of the Collaborative Leadership Podcast from Alec Cameron and David Archer. Leadership used to be about setting a vision and creating followership. It's much more complex now. Leaders now need to be able to build partnerships and relationships across organisational boundaries. These podcasts from SOCIA will help you address the challenges of becoming a truly collaborative leader. Well, David, it's five years since 2010 that we've been carrying out board evaluations. We started when the UK Corporate Governance Code said you had to carry out external evaluations in top 250 companies. And of course, that led us to last year's leadership event where we focused in on collaborative leadership in the boardroom. And very interesting discussion. Yeah, and we did that, that other podcast around that, which was, uh, you know, lots of good messages on that one. This year, it was really interesting to do a, another event around the comparison of boards across different sectors. Well, I think the thing is that, you know, the boards we are being asked to evaluate are changing. Mm. Of course, we're still being asked to evaluate FTSE 250 companies. And we're asked to go back now where educated and informed chairmen are using the evaluation process as a developmental tool. But... Increasingly, we're getting asked to evaluate boards and charity sectors and mutuals in different sectors where boards actually still exist but aren't required to follow the Corporate Governance Code. And I think it's been one of the interesting changes over the last few years, just the growth in the number of boards, not least because lots of the public sector has been about devolving responsibilities to individual foundation trusts to public service mutuals etc all of which need a board and all of which therefore need the the disciplines of good board governance so the question of course that we've been testing out is to what extent are all boards the same to what extent are the demands and the jobs of all boards the same and and that's led us to this year's leadership event where we ran a panel of for key board members from very different sectors. And maybe we should just, for the benefit of the listener, just see who we had in those panels and, and give a few messages of what came out of the discussion. Yes, well, Richard Percy, who's the chair of NFU Mutual, which is one of the largest mutual uh, insurance companies in the UK. And then we've got Vicky Hayward, who's the chair of the RSA and used to be the chair of the Royal Shakespeare Company and the Royal Court Theatre and obviously works in the arts and culture sector. And then David Isaac, who is a a lawyer by profession, but also was chair of Stonewall and was on the board of the Diana Memorial Fund and now the Big Lottery, so also in a number of kind of charity sectors, but from the, if you like, funding end of the charity sector. Absolutely. And then lastly, we had Peter Hancock, who was chief executive of Her Majesty's Courts and Tribunals Service and therefore a member of that board, and one of the boards that is constituted in law, actually, in the public sector. It was really interesting to see a panel with such a range of different experience uh, of organisations whose mission may be very different, but actually talking about the challenges in the boardroom being 
remarkably similar. Yeah, I think they were. I mean, let's just pick out some of the interesting messages that individual board members gave. Um, we can play a few clips from, yeah, from individual absolutely, quotes. Absolutely, we should do that. The first thing we were asking the panel was about their priorities and and the things that they pay attention to. And, and I think David Iser got us going rather well when he talked about the anxieties of a board. For me, this evening, I'm really quite keen that we look at some of the anxieties that exist in boards, particularly private, public and uh, charities, in relation to reputation. Because for me, that is a big theme that I'm seeing. And that anxiety, for me, reflects itself in each of those different contexts. And I suppose where, where David talked about anxieties, many other boards might talk about risks. But I think anxieties is a good word because it personalises the board member's responsibility to manage and to pay attention to risks. And then, moving on from there, Richard Percy from NFU talked about representation on the board. Having people in the organisation, directors, board members in particular, that represent someone. Mm -hmm. In our organisation, our directors represent the member, the customer. We all represent every single member. There is no, you know, uh, Jim McLaren sitting on the front, comes from Scotland, but he doesn't represent Scottish members. Yeah. He represents all our members. And, that, and that's a really important part of the governance. Yes, it's interesting. Many, uh, many charities and obviously mutual organisations have board members who, to some extent, represent a particular group, come from a particular group. But I thought Richard's point about you may be representative of a group when you come onto the board. Once you are part of the board, you're representative of the interests of the whole organisation, all the members, all the customers. And I think that distinction of why you get to be a board member and what your role is once you get there is really, really important. And then we, we went on from that to look at the dynamics of the board itself. And Vicky had some really interesting points about the need for a board to ask difficult questions and to create an environment where people would speak the truth. I do think there is a strange thing that happens, which is, if you like, the reverse of what should be going on, which is a sense of collective trust. That means that if Fred isn't questioning it, I probably won't. And I think that does come down to the fact that boards have to be made up of people who do ask the difficult questions and who challenge the executive team in a room where everyone is going to tell the truth. I think what Vicky was, was highlighting there, the, the challenge of the chairman to create an environment where there is sufficient trust and sufficient grit in the discussion as well, so that people do actually tell the truth, they do speak honestly to each other. But it is one of the things, the idea of the Cozy Club, that certainly the FRC are concerned about in all corporate boards as well. And of course, lastly, Peter then highlighted the importance of, in a sense, inhabiting your role. For me, it's, it's, it's know your place and occupy it, you know, firmly. So you need to understand the objectives of the organisation, you need to understand your role as part of the collective and your role as an individual because they're different yeah. sometimes and you need to be prepared to stand up to that. And in a public sector context, knowing your place also means understanding the wider governance framework within which you operate. In your, in your summary, 
as a quote from someone who's writing against the fact that the public sector governance public sector governance is very complicated and understanding where you sit in relation to the treasury and the cabinet office and all that well actually work it out and once you've worked it out work out how you manage that what causes misery is trying to operate in an unrealistic way around governance boundaries which may not be sensible but which are nonetheless imposed on you by the nature of the, of the world in which you operate. So, so know your place and operate in a very determined way within it. Yes, I thought it was really interesting, Peter's view there, that particularly in a public sector board, a board doesn't exist in isolation. The board of an organisation is part of a, a wider system and so understanding what you're responsible for as a board and not, and then very robustly occupying your place, I think is a really important lesson for many boards. But I suppose if you add all that together and you listen to you know the whole conversation that was had at the event, then there was an awful lot of common messages. These boards, whether in charity, mutual, public sector, are challenged by the same topics that boards in the corporate sector have to handle daily. They have to, you know, meet the needs of their shareholders or their stakeholders. They have to build a pipeline of succession for the board. They have to balance the needs of long-term strategy with day-to-day operation. They have to deal with the external demands on the board from sometimes militant voices outside. So all these boards are struggling in the same way to get enough scrutiny into the board board operation and enough support so the executive end really can work in a proper collaboration. And that was supported, I suppose, by the survey that we ran at the same time. Yes, and we can put a link to the survey out on the, on the Socio website so people can see the results. But I thought one of the things that came through that was that Although there are differences, and I mean, one of the things that came through very clearly is that the size of the boards may be quite different from one sector to the other. Typically, charities have much larger boards, which much smaller numbers of executives on them. In terms of the dynamics of the boardroom, and in particular in terms of what boards want to improve, what boards want to get better at, and how they do that, actually the lessons were very similar one, one sector to another from the survey results. And I suppose if you think the lessons are different, are similar, and the job of the board is generally similar, then shouldn't the evaluation method be similar to the, shouldn't we all really be using the one framework? There are, you know, many new frameworks appearing for charities and public sector to evaluate their boards. I guess our view is that's going to be a distraction we're seeing this, some of the same board members appear on boards in very different sectors. They can learn from each other much, much more easily if they use one framework. And the the UK Corporate Governance Code seems to me as being a very robust framework, which evolves itself to meet changing demands in in society. I absolutely agree. By using a common evaluation framework... It means, A, you can you can transfer lessons more easily one to another. And as you say, because often there are board members who are non-execs on a, on a PLC board, but maybe trustees on a charity, maybe also asked to serve on a public sector board. If they're used to evaluation against a common framework, they'll be looking for the same issues. They'll be able to transfer ideas from one to another much more clearly. 
and as the chair or indeed the, the SID on a board, knowing you're using a framework which has been tried and tested in lots of other areas gives you more confidence that the evaluation framework is going to be useful and successful. It does. I suppose the um, the balancing point we should we should end on is, of course, our concern is not really with the boards who are using evaluation frameworks. Um, it's the boards who are avoiding it. Yes, it's always the case. It's uh, the most important boards uh, to look at are the ones who aren't using evaluation at all. But that's perhaps a lesson for another time. If you want to find out more about collaborative leadership and the work we do here at SOCIA, visit www.socia.co.uk where you can download more podcasts and other free resources.